Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams features the red-hot housing market with one of the rock stars of real estate, Jacob Sudhoff, CEO of Douglas Elliman, Texas. How are things going with you? Fantastic. Actually, things are doing very well. <laughs> That's good to hear. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. So I'll start personally. So I'm married. I have two kids, have almost a six-week-old, a little girl that's two uh, years old. And uh, so building a family and uh, it's exciting. And then same time, I'm building a Douglas Home in Texas. And we just officially announced yesterday our expansion to the Dallas and Austin markets. So that's exciting. And um, so it's just, you know, we're taking our show on the road from Houston and, and expanding throughout the state. Very cool. So what would you say got you interested in residential real estate? <laughs> if you want me to go that far back, I will. I used to ride horses and I was at a horse show when I was 16 years old and ran across a booth from a broker named Marilyn Hoffman. And she used to sell castles and chateaus and ranches. And, uh, and I you know, just fell in love with it. And I'd always loved real estate and um, called her up to say, can I work for you? And she said, sure. Um, but do you have your license? I said, no. And she said, how long? I said, two years. She said, why two years? I said, I'm 16. You have to be 18. So she started laughing. And so she was in Dallas and I was in Corpus Christi. And so I flew up to Dallas, met her and she picked me up in a Rolls Royce. And uh, I lived in about a 2,300 square foot home in Corpus. And my parents were middle-class, lower middle-class. And uh, she takes me to her home in, in Dallas. And it was about an 18,000 square foot house with a horse in the front yard. And the guest house was 2,700 square feet. And I was staying in the guest house. And I just said, now this is what real estate's really about. <laughs> wow. It was an exciting moment in my life being 16 years old in high school and, uh, and getting to experience a different level of, of how people live. Wow. So what were some things that you learned whenever you were kind of hanging out with her? She was truly the thing that really helped me get started in real estate to understand how to position myself uniquely in the marketplace. And, you know, she was old school, but on the same token, a really aggressive marketer. And, you know, and she literally went after the wealthiest and she always was saying, you know, start at the top and work your way down. So we went after the biggest listings, the most, you know, the most, the wealthiest folks on the block. We always, you know, went to those. We really, we used to sponsor all these charity events like the Cattle Barons Ball. And so she used to give away horses. And so my job was to take around the horse and be up on stage when we auctioned it off. Well, it was amazing with who you get to meet and all the different folks that you get to hang out with. And, you know, I didn't really understand what all that, how that was going to affect me for the rest of my career, but it, it has resonated with me. And I still today remember some of her techniques of how to, you know, her aggressiveness of going after folks. And, um, and that's what really set me apart in real estate. And it kind of got me off on the right foot learning from somebody like that. So what would you say was your most significant transaction? I think the transaction with Douglas Elliman was the most significant one. It took me the longest I've ever had. I will tell you, I've been in real estate since I was 16, got my license at 18. You know, was featured in Texas Monthly back, you know, when I was 18 years old and being the youngest agent in the state of Texas. And I've done a whole bunch of deals. I've sold billions and billions of dollars worth of real estate. In Corpus, I had a commercial firm, Grubb & Ellis, now it's no longer existing, and I also was residential. And when I moved to Houston, I did um, mainly new construction condominiums and builder business and, and those kind of things. And I wanted to 
in corpus, I, I literally, I lived and breathed and had no life because I was having to sell homes and, and do things on the weekends. When I moved to Houston, I decided I wanted to do something that was more, more structured, more business oriented. And that's why I got into construction. And so I could actually have a life and have the weekends and, and do that kind of thing. And it worked very well, but doing the deal with Douglas Elliman, I got introduced to Douglas Elliman from a mutual client of ours, a billion dollar family, and that had a condominium on Singer Island. And they were also in Houston and they um, they met me and they said, man, you and Howard need to meet. And Howard's the chairman of the board of Douglas Elliman. So they made the introduction and I flew up to New York, met Howard. And it literally took almost two years to get the deal done because Howard, he owns the Douglas Elliman 100% himself across the whole country. And He's never done a joint venture. He's never done any any type of, you know, other than him just owning it. And I've never worked for really anybody in my life. Um, I've been an entrepreneur ever since I left that initial broker who I was, that was my only really job was working for her. And then ever, ever since I got my license, I've been on my own. And I knew that working for a company, I'm not a big not into the politics and the office politics and all those kind of things. And I'm kind of a bull in a China store sometimes. And so it's, um, so I think the thing was, is that he wanted to date before we marry and it, and for him, it took almost two years. And so, and I had to fly up to New York almost every other week for six to eight months, um, meeting him and meeting other people within the company and doing different things. And he was testing to see, did I have the grit to stay with it? And did I also did I really want this? And, and was I financially stable enough to handle it? Was I going to be able to be a good partner for him? And so that was the hardest transaction I've ever done because it was, it was not just about the numbers. It was also about the personality and everything else. And, and, um, and also he gave me for the first time in his life with Derek Solomon, he gave me the entire Texas territory as a joint venture with him. Wow. So what was that whole transition like whenever you were like trying to, to court that, you know, that transaction, uh, that New York billionaire, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> you know, it was, he's not the easiest guy to talk to on the phone for me. Cause you know, he's New Yorker and I'm, you know, Southern. And, and so we like to chit chat and we like to have, I mean, his calls, it's as if he's trying to get off the call in a matter of minutes or seconds. And so, you know, so the best thing to do is get in front of him. And, and, and so I literally bugged him and would not stop bugging him and um, to get this deal done. And we went through several iterations, trying to figure out different ways of structuring it. And, you know, of course he was just like, let me just buy your company. Let me just have you come work for us, blah, blah. And it just was not, I knew, and you know, I knew deep down that that was not going to work for me long-term. And so I, I wanted to have a long-term relationship. I didn't want to have to move again. I, I wanted to be able to have this as a, a long-term thing. And so I stuck to my guns about, I really wanted to joint venture and it worked. And I feel like, you know, I've now been in this thing for almost 18 months. We just launched Dallas and Austin yesterday, and I feel like the relationship we've built with Howard has been amazing. And Howard, to me, has, has truly been the most connected man I've ever met in my life. He's introduced me some of the you know just amazing folks throughout the world, and um, and what he is is a connector, and I'm a connector, but he's a much better and bigger connector than I am. And so it's been a um, it's been a really amazing journey with him. And he's been really willing to listen. I have been a bull in the China store at Douglas Elliman as well. I've been getting them to change things, adopt new technology and you know new processes and systems. And, and of course, I am shaking things up a little bit and it's been a lot of fun. 
don't get me wrong, there's challenges and you have personalities to deal with and you've got people who've been at the company for 30 years and here I'm the new kid on the block that's shaking things up. And it is exciting and it is fun and it gives me the opportunity to be creative, which I like to be, and, um, and also um, you know, think outside the box. And speaking of challenges, what uh, what personal and you know professional challenges have you faced launching your career? Um, you know, personal. Well, when I was first getting real estate, I was um, me being gay was actually an issue back in the early two thousands. It was still not a fun thing. Everyone, it was actually an issue. And then I would say that that kind of weaned off. And it was really great whenever I learned that you know Houston had a, a lesbian mayor. It made me feel very comfortable that I would be fine in Houston. So that's actually when I moved to Houston is 2010. But in Corpus, it, it, it you know there were some issues there. Um, but personal challenges. I had no life when I was younger. I did a lot of stupid things. I um, I spent more money than I should have in Corpus, and you just don't know how to do things right all the time, and you make a lot of mistakes. When I got to Houston. The, one of the best things I ever did was I found a mentor and the mentor was this guy named George Lee. And he's this, you know, shorter Chinese gentleman. I call him Mr. Miyagi. Now I'm Daniel's son. And uh, I mean, truly he's been very hard on me as well. I mean, like this guy is, I mean, in the first several years of me doing business with him, it was, he holds me accountable. He was teaching me how to manage my money better. And of course he was treating me like a son. And he's never had a son and Chinese culture sons are very important. And I, and, you know, and for him to do that, it was, I could have not asked for a better mentor. And I was very blessed to have him in my life and he's still in my life very much so today. And he, his stepdaughter is now my business partner at Douglas Elliman. She's our COO and in-house counsel. And she's been working with me now for about six years. And uh, she's amazing. She's like my sister. And her name's Catherine Lee. And she's just awesome. She used to be a lawyer at Vince Nelkins. And then she's was helped run the family business. Um, you know, they used to own like restaurants and stuff. And now uh, she's at Ellen with me. So I think that the personal challenges and the personal wins for me were like, you know, George having him as a mentor, teaching me how to make money, how to, how to build wealth, how to invest properly. And so it's really been great that my husband and I, our family, we make more money from investing in real estate than we do from the brokerage of real estate. And that's the same as Howard. And so, you know, so, um, and George is the one who taught me how to do it in, in, in Houston. And now I'm, I'm rolling that out through the state of Texas. And so that's something that I am, I'm passing forward onto my agents as well throughout Texas is that being at, at Element Texas or at Douglas Element, it's really more than just a brokerage. It's actually a platform for entrepreneurship. And, and we're also teaching people how to invest in real estate. We're trying to, you know, be that mentorship for a lot of folks. And so we are continuing to hire a lot of aggressive, young, hungry folks. Of course, we have the seasoned agents as well, but we have so many different opportunities for agents. I mean, I'll just tell you, we have this, I have this one kid, or he's, I call him a kid. I feel old now, but he's in his 20s. <laughs> and um, he came from Israel. He's an immigrant named Avi. He came here with nothing. And he now, his team at Douglas Elliman, he's the number one apartment locating team in Houston. And his team is on track to do $3 million in, in gross commission income this year. And, you know, and he has seven people on his team or six or seven people on his team doing like 60,000 bucks a month. And these like last month as apartment locators, I would have never guessed that. Okay. It's amazing to see some of these guys and you can, everyone follows him on social. He's got a big following on social media and he's just bought his like new G63 and he's, you know, living the life and all those kind of things. And I love that. And so, you know, for us, I feel like, you know, something that I am excited about for us and kind of kind of passing along is providing 
new and more opportunities for people than what they've ever had before. And so, and, you know, we have a commercial department, apartment leasing, we have rentals, we've got uh, condos, we've got resell, we've got relocation, we've got referrals, we've got sports entertainment division, we've got an international division, we've got seniors on the move division. And so based off whatever you want, we've kind of got different flavors for the, for, you know, different likes. So it's, uh, it's really been an amazing thing. And so, you know, so there's, you know, there's challenges with setting everything up and I think, and, but there's also the benefits of if all the opportunities it creates. And so before Douglas Solomon, when it was just suit off companies, uh, what, what challenges do you face establishing that company? Breaking into the market, you know, breaking into any market is always difficult. And then initially when we, I first came, I didn't, I, I was not 100% sure on my business model. I thought I was going to do resale brokerage and new construction, and then I decided just to do new, new construction. But being a new kid in town and you know breaking the market and me being kind of a bull in the China store, I'm one of those guys that's pretty aggressive, and so I break in. So the challenges were getting out there, uh, getting my name known, and then and proving to be successful. We did that pretty quickly, and how I did that is... I would meet with builders and, and developers, and I would say, what would it take for me to get your listing? And some of these listings were with their wives or with their you know, girlfriends or with their whoever, and so a long-time relationship. And a lot of times they said, you bring me the land or you bring me the money, and you've got the listing. And so I was really good, and that's where I built the relationship with George, is I was able to, in essence, bring the money for a lot of projects. And I didn't make anything from that. What I got was the listings in return. So that's helped, helped me build my business very, very quickly by, in essence, problem solving for, for builders and developers. And, um, and then I love being starting companies. And so we ended up starting my husband. You know, I got him connected to an architecture firm. We bought into the architecture firm. So we own 50% of Mirador Group. A great architecture firm does a lot of our stuff. I, we bought the land planning firm that most of my builders were using because we needed to create, you know, it's Vernon Henry Associates. And so the whole thing is, is that we wanted to be able to offer more value to our builders and our developers. And then we end up starting a procurement firm called Casa Houston. And so it's a retail space for the consumer, but really 95% of its business is, is a procurement firm for our builders and developers. And so, and so that's been a lot of fun. And then just recently, we've invested in a new data company called Retail. And, um, and so we are, uh, in essence, an aggregator of data on residential commercial properties. And we've got an amazing amount of, of information that we, no one else has in the marketplace. And uh, we, we, we're going down this path for Douglas Elliman, but then on the same token, we said, you know what? A lot of other people could be using this. So we partnered with the guy, our vendor, who was doing it and, so, and started another company. And then another one that we just recently invested in is I'm now in esports. <laughs> oh, nice! And, uh, yeah, and mainly from the marketing perspective of it, because this guy's got like 30 million viewers a, a day on, on his platform, and so I'm working with a guy that's from El Paso named David Chen, who literally he's a 40 year old billionaire, um, self made, and. Uh, and he is, uh, it's been a lot of fun to work with him and get to know him. And, and so we're having a lot of fun. He's with Douglas Elliman with our sports entertainment division. We're working a lot with him with all of his connections because he's unbelievably connected in the sports entertainment world. And so, you know, and so what I'm doing is I'm introducing him to our network. And uh, it's really funny. I got introduced to this guy and, and, you know, and he said, well, I said, how can I help you? I sponsored a kid at SMU and for this class uh, project. And, um, and one of the benefits for sponsoring, you get to meet this guy named David Chen. And so I got to meet this guy and I always like to pay it forward. And so I said, how can I help you? And he said, introduce me to like people with hotels or sports teams or one of those things. So I said, fine. So I introduced him to the president of Manchester City and I introduced him to the CEO of Marriott. And he got appointments with both of them. 
And he calls me back and says, who are you? <laughs> How do you know these people? <laughs> and I just said, well, um, it's really my business partner, Howard. He introduced me to them and I've got really good relationships with them. I've built relationships with them because of Howard. And so, so I've been doing a whole bunch of that now and it's been a lot of fun. And so that's when he invited me to be an, a seed investor in, in the company. And so we've done that. So Catherine and I both invest in that. And, and so that's a whole new thing that we're doing and we're getting a whole bunch of our, you know, through our, we have, we, as Douglas Hong, we work with a lot of sports entertainers throughout the country for, through our sports entertainment division. And so now we are plugging that division into his platform and it's like booming and the, the players love it. The celebrities love it. And it's just a, a win-win situation for everybody. So so going back to, sorry, I kind of went off the question, but um, <laughs> company, but it just, there's a lot of these kind of fun things that I feel like, you know, starting my the company, my original company of Sudoff, the challenge is a lot of it was we just always were starting new companies all the time. And now we finally have gotten to the ability where we're now partnering with folks uh, to start these companies and that they're really the ones running it. We're just investing in it. And so, you know, before you have money, <laughs> you had to do it all yourself. And now, you know, you're able to invest with others uh, that can actually run it. And so it does make a difference. We actually just did a big story about esports. And so I'm kind of curious as to how you got involved in that and how you, how you took notice on it. So I think about it. Esports is is something that I feel is still in its you know it, it's it's something that is going to be growing rapidly. It already is growing rapidly, but it's going to continue to grow at record paces, in my opinion. And so what I what I'm seeing from a real estate perspective. So after I get introduced to David Chen through this SMU student that we sponsored, and I started talking to the guy, I really you know liked him. But then I started asking my clients about him, my developers, my builders, my investors, all these kind of things. So what do you guys think about esports? And it was really interesting to hear that so many of the developers today are looking to put gaming centers as part of the amenities of their new projects. You have basketball, you've got, sometimes you have arcades, or sometimes you have spas or pools or gyms or whatever, but now gaming centers are becoming a big thing. And so after I was talking to a lot of these folks and they're like, no, we're actually looking for somebody to help us put gaming centers in all of our projects, in our malls, at, at, you know, in stadiums, in, um, in all these different places. And they're even thinking about making like um, gaming like a sport in high school and college where it's actually like a regulated sport. I mean, this is just in the beginning at phases of all this. And so meeting this guy and he has and David, who has the only uh, streaming rights in China and, you know, he's really, he's in, I don't know, hundred plus airports and he's just got an amazing platform. And so I ran across him and we built this relationship and, um, and it was just amazing. And um, so, you know, so now um, we're incorporating the gaming centers into our new real estate projects. And we're uh, working because, you know, we, in our new development side of things, we do a lot of um, pre-development and we help, you know, consult developers for multifamily projects and condo projects and mixed use projects about what to put into these projects. And so gaming centers are now going to be, especially in multifamily that are geared towards the younger demographic. We feel like that's going to be a big, cool amenity. And of course you have to have special, you know, um, Wi-Fi and you have to have all the, the infrastructure for it. And so that's why new projects, we're going to be able to put that in. So it's just, it's been a really interesting ride um, for me. And it's only been in the past few months or this year, and it's already starting to grow rapidly. I was on a call on a zoom call with David yesterday with one ex NFL player, a uh, father, son team. And it's like, we've been looking for something like this to be able to, to be able to participate in. 
And, um, and so it's been great that, I mean, every, everyone I talk to is like, I'm interested. I want to, I want to hear it. So I just, I, after all that, I was just like, I got to get involved in this. Let's put some money into it. Let's, let's participate in it. Let's be on the, the cutting edge of this kind of becoming a new norm of a sport that is, you know, integrated into everything, just like a physical sport of basketball or football or, you know, or any of these other things. I think gaming is going to be something that is going to be integrated into, you know, our way of life in a big way. So how are you kind of like looking at the way you're going to develop these gaming centers and multifamily? So actually, David has already done it um, uh, several parts around the country. And now we've been speaking with several of our developers that are actually wanting him to repeat that. And his firm is consultant on this. And so we're actually going to be having, in essence, they're like, uh, it's like the old arcades, if you remember those, but they're, but they're just gaming centers rather than arcades. So they're, in essence, they're places within the amenities of the building. And there's going to be a room that will, you know, be able to, that supports gaming. And so it's, um, you know, they've got the, the right screens and sounds and headphones and all the different things and the right chairs and, and the right infrastructure to be able to support the gaming. David and his company, the one that we invested in, does all of that consulting for developers and so that's what we are starting to integrate. But it's also the thing that he's also getting into right now is starting to do this with schools. So, um, so I think you're going to start seeing these gaming centers be put into schools as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was not expecting uh, any of that. <laughs> so that, <laughs> well, that was a, you know, it's for us, it's just, Whenever we think about real estate, we think about the lifestyle of real estate, the experience of real estate, and you're buying and selling, you're investing, you're, you know, you're, you're renting. And so for us, we take a very holistic approach to real estate. And because we dabble in, you know, because we touch so many aspects of it, for us, we have to be on the forefront of technology. We have to be thinking about how people live tomorrow, not today, especially as we're designing these buildings, you know, and because we do a Douglas Elman is number one in new development sales in the country. And with our exclusive international partner, Knight Frank, they're number one in the world for new development projects like condominium projects. And we're putting in drone delivery stations in a lot of our new projects right now. We're putting in cold storage for groceries at the you know valets, at the uh, front desks. We're putting in valet closets for all the Amazon boxes and everything. So everything that you, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to think about as we're designing and, and helping these developers think about, because these projects take two to five years to build sometimes, depending upon the size of the project. And so it's really a matter of what's, the, what's life going to be like in two to five years? And so, and how can we be on the forefront of it? So that's something that we at Douglas Elman are really, in our planning design department, is something that's it's very important to us. When it was just suit off companies, you were on the residential real estate list of, at least a few times. Um, what would you have attributed to your success on that? My last year there, I did write about half a billion dollars and I was never one to publish my numbers because it just, you know, other agents get upset about it. And I was not one. I only did new construction. So I wasn't really competing, competing with them for resale business. My best year in Corpus Christi, I did about $160 million. And in Houston, I was very consistent and doing really good numbers. And when you think about, and that's the reason why I never moved out of Corpus Christi for so long is because I would come up to Houston and meet with like, you know, Martha Turner or some of the other brokerages. And I was doing more business in Corpus than any of their top agents were at, at their firms. And it was very difficult for me. And only when the crisis happened in 2008, did I end up making the move because, you know, the market in Corpus just tanked. My success really started with that brokerage in Dallas named Hoffman International Properties. 
learning to be more aggressive, learning to how to market differently, how to how to position the property differently, how to really run a more effective sales program and marketing campaign. And really, it's not that complicated uh, on residential sales. It's just a lot of people, it's the little things that make a difference. It's making sure that your listings pop up all the time, making sure that your pictures look great, making sure that, that the details are done, that you've explained the house properly, that you have, um, that you are, you know, you have to look at it as, as from a buyer's lens, what does it take? And so for me and my business, I really focused on listings. When I left Corpus Christi, I, I had over 400 listings and that was commercial and residential and not builder business back then. So those were all Mr. and Mrs. Smith's, like all individual folks. That was crazy. I look back now, and as I'm now in Douglas Elliman, I mean, having somebody with 400 individual listings, I, I can't even find another agent around, around Houston or Dallas that has that. But I will tell you that it was because I also built an automated machine. And so I love automation. I love efficiency. I love doing that. And so what I'm doing at Douglas Elliman here in, in Texas is I'm putting a lot of that automation that I had in my personal business into the brokerage for all the agents in Texas for Douglas Elliman. And I have to tell you, that's if you think about who's running brokerages in Texas right now or around the country, how many of them have sold substantial amount of real estate in their career? Very few. I mean, if at all. And so by me, that I have been there, I've done it. I've done commercial, residential, rentals. I've done all these different things. And I know what made me successful, which was efficiency, automation, uh, systems and processes, marketing strategy, making sure that all the details are done. And so what I'm doing is I'm building out a platform that agents in Texas can plug and play. And where we are as a brokerage, some of it as part of our brokerage and some of it's an a la carte menu, but where they can plug and play into, in essence, what I had built for myself personally, but even better. And that is something that I feel is going to set my agents apart from everybody else in the marketplace because I'm able to take what was successful for me in my past, you know, 22 years of doing this and be able to implement that on a statewide level. And I feel like that's going to, and it already is changing. It's already making a huge difference uh, for our agents and it's just getting started. So that was what made me successful. And now I'm passing that along. When did you start to realize that you were making a name for yourself in Houston? I would say that when people start talking about you, <laughs> uh, no, um, we started really taking over several large projects from builders. And my first builder there, my first big builder there was Roan Wright. And we took over the first 30 Sunset. Then we took over Caceres. And these were all these you know townhome, luxury townhome communities. And so all that was going great. But then Pelican Builders had a project called Highland Tower that was kind of in the ditch. And do a big presentation to take over this project. This was my first condo project in Houston ever. And Rick Campo was an investor in it. And so, you know, I was new to town, only been there for probably less than two years. And I'm there with, you know, Mr. Bland, Derek, and, and uh, Rick and a couple of the guys. And I will never forget, Rick was, he was pretty, pretty blunt with me. He's like, look, we don't know who you are. <laughs> we don't know too much about you, except for that Robert likes you and that, you know, you're aggressive and you've, d- you've done well on the townhome side, but we need to know more about you. So he literally requested before I could get the listing to get my, uh, my social security number and do a background check on me. And he paid thousands of dollars for this background check on me. 
And it came back clean, except for all my speeding tickets from Corpus Christi. I had a ton of them. And it was so funny. Robert Bland always teases me still today that he still has that report on me. And he knows everything I've ever done in my life beforehand, more than my mother does. And uh, because Rick was adamant that he wanted to make sure that I was a good guy. And, you know, so at that moment is when I feel like I kind of made it like I was at the tipping point in Houston. And then also whenever we turn that building around and rather than reducing prices, I started increasing prices. And I threw a big party and gave away a car, a lease on a car, and started really turning that building around. And that was my very first condo project. And, uh, and, we, and we sold it out. And uh, we did a great job on it. And we increased the sellouts dramatically. And so that was, and then my next project right after that was with Giorgio Berlini on the Belfiore. So yeah, that was amazing. And that was, and we pre-sold like, you know, 60, 70% of the building in the first 90 days. So it was just amazing. And so that really was the kind of the defining moment of Highland Tower. And then, and then where they really did it was with Giorgio on, on Belfiore. Jacob Sudhoff joining Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams. In our next segment, Sudhoff shares what he might do differently when Texas Business Minds continues. I'm Rich Gergasco, President and CEO of Texas Mutual Insurance Company. To everyone who has been hard at work providing the things we need during this crisis, we say thank you. You truly are essential and we're proud to be on the job with you. More at TexasMutual.com slash on the job. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds, as Douglas Element Texas CEO Jacob Sudhoff reflects on his career with Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams. What's something that you would do differently? <laughs> uh, well, in Corpus, I there's a lot of things. I mean, that was I made so many mistakes in Corpus Christi. I did this deal with Keller Williams and I never read I never had a lawyer read all the documents. That was a major mistake. So now, you know, lawyers are part of my everyday life to make sure everything's read by them. That was a major mistake. Not managing my money properly prior to meeting George, that was a major mistake. A lot of brokers, to be very blunt, most real estate agents don't know how to manage their money. They spend more than they should on marketing and other things. You think that the more you spend, the more you make. And that's not always the truth. Sometimes I had too much overhead, too much staff. It would have been better for me to do less business and make more money, more net money than actually doing more business, selling more houses. Because being the biggest is not always being the best or the most profitable. I would also say doing fewer things and doing them better. I think that I did sometimes, many times in my career, doing too many things at once without the proper, you know, either funding or, or the proper infrastructure, meaning staff and the appropriate staff. I think also one problem, one of my biggest things that has taken me a long time to learn how to do is manage people better. I am, you know, being self-made, being an entrepreneur, being, you know, I work harder than anyone in my office, but that's just me. And I was never good at, and I've gotten unbelievably better at this. And it's really the culture of the office. I never realized how the culture of the office and your staff and your management can really play such a unbelievable role in your success. And so that's something that like at Element right now, that we have an amazing culture with our staff and our managers. And, and, you know, and that's something that it took me going through a lot of iterations and learning how to do that. But I think a lot of CEOs, you know, we, I, 
some of our mistake is we expect people to work as hard as we do. And, you know, and they're just not, it's not the same, they're not incentivized the same way. And so, but it's also how you speak to them and how can you motivate them and, and how can you really show your appreciation to them? Because I'm always working so hard, working on the next deal or the next dollar or the next new business. You have to spend that time to thank the people and to appreciate the people around you that help you get there. And so that was that, if I was to say one thing in my entire career that I know that I have done I've not been the best at and that I have been working on every day to improve is that is the uh, is really the the culture of my office. In 2020 the luxury homes market kind of boomed despite the pandemic. Why do you think that is? So it was really interesting. We actually we have a, a really robust uh, proprietary data platform and we actually looked at it that you know homes in Houston specifically actually more than even Austin Dallas in Houston, what was really interesting about it is that people wanted to have bigger spaces and bigger yards. So, and we actually did a statistic. We actually have the, the numbers to back this up that the, the per neighborhood, the, the homes that had the bigger yards sold for a substantial premium than the ones that had, you know, the, the average yard size. And, and so the uh, yard size became, and this is, this is not consistent from the past. Okay. This is a new trend because of COVID where people want to spend more time at home. They needed bigger houses. They wanted bigger yards. And what also happened in Houston were people that were renting. The reason why apartments in Houston are hurting on the luxury side and why they're paying out, you know, one and two months rent is because so many Houstonians went from leasing to purchasing for the, you know, either for the first time or purchasing. And it was, it's been amazing. So some of the statistics we've been looking at are over 30% of the tenants that have vacated their units have actually purchased. That's some of the highest numbers in history. And so it's really been amazing with how many people have just decided to purchase because of interest rates and they have good jobs, but also that they wanted those big yards, but the luxury market, it's that, but then also we also have an influx of people coming from out of town a substantial amount of people, not like Austin or Dallas. Austin is like stupid. I mean, it's, it's on, it's, it's crazy hot. Dallas is also crazy hot, but not like Austin, but Houston, we've actually been seeing, especially on the luxury side, a lot of people coming in from out of town. And so, I mean, celebrities and what that is, is because we're a red state. People are tired of California, tired of New York. That's where most of them are coming from Chicago, New York, and California, LA, San Francisco, and it's been great for Houston. It's been great for Texas. And, you know, and so it's, it's very exciting to see the, the type of people that are moving to, to Houston and to Texas overall. It's interesting that they're looking at the, the size of the, the land. Why do you think that is? You know, the pool business, like, boomed. If you owned a pool company, you've made really good money over the past 12 months. It's because people want, they want yard space for pools. Tennis courts are back in. People, I mean, when was the last time you heard people building tennis courts? Well, all of a sudden now they're everyone, I mean, all these people on River Rocks now want to build, you know, private tennis courts. I mean, it's because people, COVID really has had an effect on people wanting, you know, the idea about being around other people. And so there's a lot of want and desire to have private facilities and your own pool, your own tennis court, your own bocce ball court, your own, all those things. And so people are looking for land that they can put all that on. And where their kids and their and their kids' friends can come and stay at the house and not have to go to the club or not have to go, you know, to the park or not have to go, you know, to some public place. And so it's been very interesting to see how that has made a huge effect, you know, and how the land size is is really people are wanting the larger lots. 
So what are the trends are you seeing in luxury real estate? You know, it is a little bit neighborhood specific on some of the like finishes and those kind of things. But what we are seeing in luxury real estate is that pricing has gone up. We're seeing record breaking numbers per square foot. We're seeing that, you know, there's the bigger yard spaces. People really want the larger yards. We're starting to see a lot less of the traditional finishes and stuff of nature. People are going more more contemporary. It's becoming more LA kind of LA or look. And I also am, it's kind of nice to see, but Houstonians are finally starting to embrace true luxury finishes. Before in Houston, we never really um, embraced a lot of the really ultra luxury finishes. And now it's we're starting to see it a lot more often, meaning where people will appreciate a prefab kitchen that is, you know, European or whatever it is, and they want it and they're paying for it. So there's a lot of these, you know, where they're not, where the level of finish that people are now demanding and, and or ex, their expectations are elevated in the past. And I think what part of that is they're seeing what, you know, on Pinterest or, or you know, Instagram, they're seeing images of homes around the world or homes are in Dallas or homes in other parts of the country. And they're saying, this is what I want. And I want it to look like this. And, you know, Houston's always been a little bit behind the, the curve on the level of finish in comparison to other cities. I mean, Dallas, the level of finish is much higher than most Houston homes. And we're starting to see the trend of people want that level of finish in Houston. And yeah, so while you're on that topic, I mean, you kind of talked already about expanding into Austin and Dallas. Why did you decide to launch uh, this major expansion on the heels of COVID? So we were going to do the expansion. It was in our plans to do it anyways. But the issue with us with this was that COVID just accelerated a migration to Texas like we've never seen before. And we have a robust relocation department and for us, and we have a robust referral department. And for us to truly be able to handle and and get those contracts for thousands of moves over the next several years to Austin and Dallas, we had officially had an office there. And so we normally would not have launched two cities at the same time. It's a lot of work. But for us to capture that business of the corporate relocations um, and the major referrals from, from the other markets, it required us to have those offices open. So we decided to do it both at the same time so that we could capture all that business. And so, and I'm so happy we did. We've already been in contact with several companies that are now, I mean, just in the past 24 hours, they're saying, okay, we saw you're there. Now you, you will start the process to get you awarded those contracts to get all those moves. And so it's really good for us. And um, the other thing also, both those markets are just booming. And I feel like since we're last the market from a brokerage perspective, as our competitors are kind of already, you know, they've already kind of gotten to the market, we're able to really, we looked at what the, our competitors to the agents are and to the consumers are doing. And we kind of came up with a better way, as I mentioned earlier, one of my quotes is a better widget. We literally took the best of all of them and, and we've kind of created our own platform uh, for Texas that I feel is really going to separate our agents and our listings and our, you know, our clients are going to get a, a more robust marketing plan and something that's more effective than what our competitors are doing. And, um, and so it's, and for me, I'm also focused on efficiency and automation for our agents because that will give them more time to spend with relationship building and also selling their homes. What differences are you seeing in selling luxury homes in Houston versus uh, Dallas and Austin? Significant. Austin, you have to prepare your buyer to pay anywhere from 10 to 30% over asking price. Houston, that's not the case. We have on average for, and it depends on what your definition of luxury is, right? So I would just say that, you know, if you're talking about a $3 million house or you're talking about a $30 million house, 
For example, in Austin, we have a we just listed a seventeen million dollar house that will be going on the market next week. We're having a, a party there. That house most likely will sell for over asking price and very quickly. And in Houston, we have an average of list to sell ratio in Houston for a ten plus million dollar house is where it's you know usually there's about a fifteen to twenty percent difference between a list to sell ratio on those ten plus million dollar homes. So meaning that they sell for 15, 20% less than what the asking price is statistically. Um, Austin right now is statistically the opposite, 15 to 20% higher. The other thing also is that in Austin, there is no inventory and there's a lack of, of product. And so Houston, we do have product, but we still have a lack of new product. So there is going to be, I mean, Houston residential market is still doing amazing, but Austin and Dallas are doing even better. Dallas market is, um, and also the other thing is almost over 50% of the buyers in Austin and Dallas that are coming in in the ultra, any kind of ultra luxury market are coming in from out of town over 50%. Houston, we're not seeing that. We're probably seeing somewhere between 30 and 40%. So those other markets are really hot on out of towners and Dallas and Austin are, I mean, it could be as high as 70, 80% in Austin uh, from people from out of town that are buying the luxury homes. And uh, finally, what's a uh, top of mind for buyers right now? Depends on the market. You've got to be prepared to, you know, in some markets, even in Houston, uh, for the, if you're under a million bucks, you've got to be prepared to sometimes pay over asking price. So, you know, there's a bidding war in a lot of homes right now. So you just got to have a great agent that can really give you great advice on, you know, what is the right price for that house and how the market is, is trending. I think that, Home ownership is, you know, with inflation that I think we all know that inflation is coming and it already is here. Buying real estate is always a great thing to do. Interest rates are still very cheap. And so I feel like it is a great time to buy real estate. We're publishing very shortly next month on our website, all the appreciation rates for Houston and actually all the markets in Texas that we're in per neighborhood. So you can actually look at what neighborhood is actually appreciating the best and, um, and be able to, you know, decide what, you know, where you want to go. And some are depreciating in Houston and some are appreciating at record paces. So it's really fun to look at that and be able to, it might dissuade you where to go. But I'll say that for a home buyer today, be knowledgeable and do your research, go to areas that are proven and look at the quality of the home. But really, I think it's really just making sure that you understand what the market analytics are to make sure that you're getting a good investment. And right now, I mean, with interest rates today, you're, it's a good investment today to purchase. I know people think, well, pricing is just going too high. I don't think that's the case. I think that, you know, I think we're, this is the beginning of substantial appreciation of homes because of inflation, because of other things, and because of what's happening in Texas. I think, you know, everyone's talking about, well, Austin, when is this going to stop? And the answer is probably not for 10 years. Austin is going to be something like the next, you know, Seattle. It's going to be a, a Silicon Valley. And so the whole thing is, is that it's really, Houston also has a lot of new businesses moving there. I mean, it's crazy how many businesses we're talking to right now that have thousands of employees that are looking to move to Houston. So I was actually on the phone with the governor's office last week for the business development side of it, because we are working with them on helping these businesses come into Texas. And I'm focused, I love Houston, that's where I live. So I'm very much focused on trying to bring more businesses to Houston as well. And so we're working with you know, the governor's office with some of these new businesses that we have contacts with that are looking to relocate into Texas and how do we help them incentivize them to come to Texas. And I'm trying to push them into Houston with, to bring thousands of jobs and great, great more folks. And so it's just, it's, it's exciting for us. And I feel like home, you know, buying homes right now is a great investment. And I think that it's really just, you know, 
do your homework and know your stats, and uh, and I think you're going to be good. Thanks to Douglas Elliman, Texas CEO Jacob Sudoff for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. Texas.